thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hey everyone, I have a question for you wherever or whenever you are watching this. And the question is this, who are you really? Who are you really? You know the comedian and the actor Peter Sellers? And if you don't know who he was, ask your dad or even ask your granddad, all right? Because he was really old. But somebody once went up to him on the street one day and they said, are you Peter Sellers? And he looked at them and he said, not today. And this issue of identity is a really important issue. And I don't know about you, but I think our sense of identity has been affected by this season that we've been in for so long now. Maybe you've been furloughed from work. Maybe you've lost your job, been made redundant. Maybe you are homeschooling kids now. Maybe you're a teacher and, and you're trying to grapple with that. Maybe you're in healthcare and, and that's gone crazy. Maybe you're holding a business together. Whoever you are, maybe you're just like many of us, you're in lockdown blues and you're like, I'm getting up one day and I'm walking into this room and then I'm getting up the next day and I'm walking into the same room. And we can lose our sense of identity because so much around us is different But identity is so crucial. You see, when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. And often we want to know what to do. But identity always precedes what we do. When we know who we are, then we know what to do. Our sense of identity is shaped by lots of factors. Maybe our family background, our culture, our experience, our upbringing, etc. You know, it's easy to let those things things define our identity. And they're part of our identity, but they're not who we are really. And that's what I want to look at today. And you know, one of the other issues in our culture, and it's been in our culture for a while, is identity theft. And if you've ever had your identity stolen, you know the huge implications financially, relationally, socially, um, you know, mentally, emotionally as well when that happens. And we're going to look a little bit at some identity thieves. They may not be taking your bank account details, but they take your sense of who you are as a human being. And whether you're a Christian or not, as you're watching this, our identity is crucial to our sense of well-being and also crucial to our sense of what we do and how we live out our lives. When we know who we are, it's so, so important. And I think identity uh, thieves, they kind of like act like these mirrors that, that, that we look at and they almost steal our identity away from us. And one of the biggest identity thieves is the thief of comparison. And of course, comparison is all around us now. Even though we can't see many other people or be with many other people, we see them all on social media. You see, the problem with social media is that we compare our real lives with what we see online of everybody else. And the reality is that's not the whole of their life. We only see like the highlight reels. But what it does is it steals our own sense of identity. And you know, the other, I think, big identity thief is labels. You know, words that have been spoken over your life that become like a label. I don't mean the label in the back of your shirt. I mean the label that almost identifies you and defines you. 
And then there's the other big identity thief of past experiences. And maybe you're watching this and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but you know that you've had past experiences that have defined you. You've had labels or words that define you. Uh, you have occasionally that, that, that temptation to compare and think about your life compared to others. And it defines you and it shapes your sense of identity. You know, we believe that God speaks powerfully into this issue of identity. And in this series that we're calling different. We're using this series from uh, Life Church, Craig Rochelle's church in America. He's very graciously given lots of their content to churches around the world and we're taking it and adapting it. Not so much the content of today, that's more my own, but generally in the theme. And in fact, Craig Rochelle has written, uh, in fact, Life Church developed uh, an app on the phone called the YouVersion app. It's an amazing way of reading the Bible every single day. I have it on my phone. I read it every single day. And uh, if you go into YouVersion, okay, and you type in different, then there's a Bible reading plan for five days following this series as well. And in that plan, he makes this statement and he says this, Craig Rochelle says, he didn't call you to fit in, but to stand out. He didn't call you to fit in, but to stand out. And we want to say to you, whoever you are, whenever, wherever you're watching it, you are called by God to stand out, not just to fit in or blend in. You're called to be different and we're looking in the Bible at a book. It's, it's a letter actually. It was written by Peter to a bunch of people uh, in the early church. This was around 30 years, three decades after Jesus. It's in between around AD 60, AD 64. And uh, the Christians here are uh, scattered around the world because they're under incredible persecution by the Roman emperor Nero. He was, I mean, we looked at him last week. He had his own mother murdered. He, mur he murdered at least one of his wives, possibly two. He was incredibly, cruel guy and, and the Christians were easy scapegoats for him. And so they were living in a really different and difficult era. And in that different world, Peter was saying, hey, even though the world's different, you're called to be different. And last week we looked at what does it mean to have a different kind of faith, a resilient faith. And the bottom line last week was this, a faith that's been tested is a faith that can be trusted. And if your faith is being tested right now, I want you to know it can be trusted when you come through it stronger. That's what we looked at last week. But in chapter two, Peter, who knew all about identity and he knew all about identity thieves as well, he speaks powerfully into this issue of identity. And here's the bottom line that I want you to think about today. When you know whose you are, then you will know who you are. When you know whose you are, then you will know who you are. Do we allow and simply allow others to define us? That means that we're theirs to define. Or even do we want to just define ourselves? That's a big thing in our culture. I will be who I want to be and I want to define myself. Well, knock yourself out if you want to define yourself. I would rather be defined by the one who created the heavens and the earth. And I want to know that if God, if I belong to God, then it's He, it's Him who will define who I am. You know, when you look at some of the characters in the Bible, some names that you may have heard of, Abraham thought he was too old. Jeremiah thought he was too young. Moses thought he was underqualified. Uh, jo Joseph thought he was overqualified. Gideon had an inferiority complex. Jonah had a superiority complex. Peter made many mistakes. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And David, King David, was just the baby in the family that no one 
noticed. None of this matters. The only thing that matters is whose you are. Because when you know whose you are, then you will know who you are. And what I want to do today is I want to look at a big chunk of the Bible, okay? I'm going to read more than we normally do. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to switch it on right now, okay? Or maybe you've got an old school Bible. If you haven't got either of them, don't worry. The words are going to come up on the screen. This is from the Bible. This is 1 Peter chapter 2 and we're reading verse 4 to verse 10. So let me just read this through to you and then we'll draw out some thoughts and ideas from this. And I believe this is so, so important what we're going to hear today. Peter says this to this bunch of people living in a different world, living in a pressurised, troubled, difficult world. He says this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Notice there, you're living stones, plural, being built into a spiritual temple Singular, we'll look at that later. What's more, and notice how many times the word you appears. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honour, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him, recognise the honour God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. It's a little confusing, but we'll get to it. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. And listen to these incredible words. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Guys, this is who you really are. If you know Jesus, this is who you really are. If you don't, this is who you can really be. And I want to say, if you are a Christian, and maybe you've been a Christian for many years, and maybe like me, some of the reality of this last nine, ten months has been that lots of the things that kind of uh, strengthened your sense of identity have been taken away. We haven't been able to gather in the same way that we would have been. We haven't been able to do some of the things that, we, that, we, that we're used to doing. And some of the familiarity is gone. And, and maybe that sense of, I don't know what, what I'm doing, therefore I don't quite know who I am. And I hope and pray that this will bring life and light again to you today. That this will strengthen your sense of identity. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is what it means to come to Christ. This is what it means to have a relationship with Him. You may have all kinds of weird ideas and, uh, uh, about who God is and who Jesus is, or maybe you've even had some bad experiences with Christians, and I get that, and I'll talk about that later. But this is at its essence, who you are and who you become when you enter into a relationship with Jesus. So whether you don't know Him, whether you've just got to know Him, or whether you've known Him for many years, this is so important. And I want to give you three big ideas out of this passage of Scripture, which I think are absolutely gold if we can get a hold of them. Number one, 
Number one, you are a chip off the old block. You've heard that expression, you're a chip off the old block. He's a chip off the old block. You literally are a chip off the old block. There's lots of references in this passage that we've just read to stones and to rocks. Jesus is the cornerstone, it says. It says to some, Jesus is a stumbling block. In other words, um, people fall over him. They can't understand him. But to others, he becomes the cornerstone. The cornerstone is like the key bit in the foundation of a building, everything else in the building. Um, uh, the, The strength of it is defined by that cornerstone. But to understand, the significance of this. You've got to go back 30 years or so to where Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, goes on a little bit of a day trip, a little bit of a field trip with Jesus. He takes them out of town to a place called Caesarea Philippi. It's a place that good Jewish boys don't go to, all right? Because there's lots of dodgy stuff going on. There's lots of um, different gods. There's lots of uh, sexual fertility um, uh, uh, events going on. And it's a crazy place. And in the middle of that place, Jesus turns around to these guys and he doesn't do it by accident. He knows what he's doing. He says, hey, in the middle of all this crazy place with all these different worldviews and different ways of life and living, who do you say I am? And some of them say, well, some people say you're this and some people say, no, 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 not what do other people say? Who do you say I am? And then Peter says this amazing thing. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. That's your identity, Jesus. Others may say this, but I know that you are the Son of God. And then it says in Matthew 16, verse 18, this, Now I say to you, says Jesus, that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And you've got to understand that what Jesus does here is Jesus changes the name of Peter because his name was Simon which means read and it means unstable. And next week, we're going to look at this whole thing about changing names and what that's all about. But he changes his name from something that means read and unstable to Cephas or to Peter, okay, depending on Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew, uh, which literally means rock. Now, here's the thing. So Jesus says, you're the rock and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. It looks like the same word, but it's not the same word. And there's lots of misunderstanding and there's lots of thoughts and ideas about what Jesus is meaning. You know, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Does that mean, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you? Because Peter became the first leader of the church. Or does it mean I'm going to build my uh, church on this confession that you just made, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? Or actually, could it be that when you understand that these two words are a little bit like wordplay, there's a little bit of wordplay going on in the original language, Petros and Petra. Petros is little rock, Petra is big rock. Could it be that Jesus is saying, hey, you're a little rock and you're a rock, but I'm the rock and I'm the big rock and I'm going to make you a rock, but I'm going to build you on a bigger rock because Peter, when you come to me, you become a chip off the old block. Isn't that interesting? And if you and I, as people who are now followers of Jesus, are a chip off the old block, what does it mean? What are the implications? Let me give you two. Number one, I am becoming more and more like my dad. Now in the natural, that's true. My father passed away in 2009, but but my wife and others tell me that I'm becoming more and more like my dad as I get older. I rub my feet together, okay, while I'm watching the television, which is, I know is gross. My dad did it, I do it, I don't know why. I laugh like him. I sing loud like him. I'm becoming more like him. Now if your experience of your earthly father isn't great, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. The more you track with Jesus, the more you allow your faith to develop, the more you know who you are, you are 
becoming more and more like your dad. That's a great implication. But there's another great implication and it's this. And here's the thing. If you're becoming more and more like your dad, you also are are, are understanding that more and more I can trust him because he's the rock I build my life on. And here's the big idea I want you to think about here. When you hit rock bottom, you discover, you find that there's rock at the bottom. When you hit rock bottom, you find there's rock at the bottom. And Jesus is saying, you're a little rock. You're going to be built on a big rock. You're a chip off the old block. When you hit rock bottom, you'll find that there's rock at the bottom. And guys, right now, that's so important. I believe as I was praying this morning when I came over to church, there are some of you out there and you feel like you're at rock bottom right now. You know, our guys will want to post right now. I haven't asked them to do this, but just post in the chat the prayer links. And if you feel that you're at rock bottom and you're holding on, you need to know that other people will stand and pray with you. But you need to know something more than that. As they do that, you will find that there is rock at the bottom. And this is an amazing thing. We are a chip off the old block. That's who we are. But the other idea about our identity is this. You are another brick in the wall. And some of you who are old like me will remember that old Pink Floyd song and it's quite a negative song, but I think this is positive. You're another brick in the wall. You see, um, Peter, uh, Peter says here, you're living stones, plural, but you're being built together into a spiritual house, which is singular. You see, when you come to God, your identity is defined and refined through community. You're not just an individual anymore. This is the great news of the Christian faith. Yes, you have a personal relationship with Jesus and that's so good. But actually your identity is defined and refined because you're then brought into community. You're living stone, singular, but you're being built together into a spiritual house, which is plural. You literally become another brick in the wall. There's a legend of the, um, uh, the town or the village called Sparta. Some of you remember that film, 300 Leonidas and all that. And a guy apparently went in and said, where are the walls? And the king pointed to the soldiers and he says, there are Sparta's walls and every man is a brick. Urgh. But what he's basically saying is that we don't need these walls because the people are built together so strongly and so powerfully that actually these are the walls. And I want to say to you, Life Central guys and girls out there, we haven't been able to meet in person for a long time now. So we're right outside of the walls. You're the walls. You're the other bricks in the walls. And when we know who we are, when we know whose we are, and we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. And the strength of our identity is understanding that we're not just called to be singular stones, but we're being built together into a temple. Margaret Thatcher famously once said, there is no society, only individuals and families. With all respect, she was wrong. And if you're watching the, um, that series that's big out there on Netflix at the moment, Queen's Gambit, uh, other Streaming platforms are equally available. Uh, if you ever watch Queen's Gambit, you'll understand that's about chess and the difference between the American way of playing chess and the Russian way. And uh, my wife watches it, I don't, but she tells me that actually the American discovers that they play individually and the Russians play it as a team. And all of a sudden she realises that it's in the team that they learn how to make different moves. It's in the team that they find the strength. It's in the team that they find different ways. It's in the team that you and I have, have discovered that there's more in us than we thought. 
It's in the team that we can encourage one another. It's in the team that we can support and strengthen one another. That's why, guys, it's so important that we understand our identity is defined and refined through our community. Listen to me. Listen to me. We are socially distancing right now. We do not have to socially isolate even through technology. It's why it's so important, guys, if you're in one of our small groups that we call connect groups, you know, don't do what I think many of us are doing at the moment. Say, oh, do you know, I'm just fed up of Zoom. I'm just fed up of technology. You know, I've been on it all day. And I understand that the other day I was on it for eight hours without a break virtually. And then in the evening, it was our connect group time. When it's very easy for me to say, I've been on Zoom all day. I don't want to do it. Do you know what? I love the guys in my connect group more than I don't love Zoom. And actually, I, I need them in my life more than I don't love Zoom. And so I want to encourage you guys, understand our identity needs to be strengthened and it's strengthened in the context of community. It's never more fully expressed than in community. When you come to Jesus, you become this chip off the old block. You become this little rock built on the big block, but you also become another brick in the wall that he is building. That's amazing. Third and final idea is this. You are a bridge builder for the king. You're a bridge builder for the king. Peter says you are royal priests. I don't know whether any of you woke up this morning and thinking, do you know what? Today I am a priest. Maybe you thought uh, that not, that's not going to fly for you. But actually that's what the Bible says. A priest in the Bible understanding isn't just how, how we've defined it, okay? In other words, Leon, you're a priest because you work for the church. You know, you get paid for it. That, 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 that's not what this is about. Yes, I've got a gift and a call and a role. But actually the Bible says that all of us who come to Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, whether it's been just a few days ago or years ago, you become royal priests. And the Latin word for priest is pontifex, which literally means bridge builder. And I love that. The idea that actually you and I are bridge builders between God and humanity. When you know whose you are, then you will know who you are. And listen, listen, lean in a little bit. You may be the only Jesus that some people will ever get to see. That's who you are. You are called to be a bridge builder. And there's a daily call on us then, and we're going to talk about this more next week. But if you're the only Jesus that some will ever see, don't blend in stand out. Don't just be like everyone else, be different. When the whole world is screaming about division, you be the one that's encouraging unity. When the world's screaming about hate, you're the one who's posting about love. When the world's crying out with negativity, you're the one that's putting out some positivity. When the world is wanting to push people apart, you're the one who's wanting to pull people together because that's who you are. You are a bridge builder. So what are the implications of knowing who you really are? 
If this is who I really am, I'm a chip off the old block. I'm another brick in the wall and I'm a bridge builder. What are the implications of that? Well, firstly, it means you can live free. Look at this verse in 1 Peter 2, 16. Peter says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Now, if you're new to this, to faith, okay, you might be thinking, what on earth? You're saying we're going to be God's slaves. You've got to understand the context of the day. Two thirds of the Roman world, the Roman Empire were slaves and they weren't just slaves in the way that we understand them from watching Ben-Hur or other things like that. But actually many people in regular jobs were actually slaves. And what Peter is saying is that actually you're free and out of your freedom, you've chosen to say, God, I want to belong to you and almost to become a slave to you. Not because I have to, but because I want to. But what he's saying is that when you know who you are, You don't have to chase around getting all the other things that shape your identity. So you can let go of the comparison. So you can let go of the labels. So you can let go of the past experiences because you're not chained to those any longer. You're free. The only one you're chained to is God and that's a voluntary choice. And because you so love Him, you're you're defined by Him. You know who you are because you know whose you are. You can live free. But then he goes on to say this, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this. You can also live without fear. Live without fear. Look at this verse, verse 17. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the King. Fear God and respect the King. I thought you said, Leon, we can live without fear. We can. When the Bible says fear God, that kind of fear isn't the kind of fear that we understand. It really means respect. It means honour. It means, it means I worship Him. It means I put Him in the number one place. And when you fear God like that, you don't have to fear anything or anybody else, even death itself. You don't have to fear redundancy. You don't have to fear divorce. You don't have to fear sickness. Yes, it will make you tremble, but you know you're a chip off the old block. So when you hit rock bottom, you'll find that there's rock at the bottom. And Peter says, you, when you fear God and when you worship God, you don't have to fear anyone else. In fact, you then can even respect the King. A few days ago, I had a run-in with a street preacher in our town in Hal Zoen. And I think I was gracious and courteous, but we had a heated conversation. And we had a heated conversation because this is my town and I love this town and I love the people of this town. And when I walked through the town and I heard this young guy shouting at the people in our town and just shouting condemnation at them and shouting about hell and and, and having a go at them about sin. And my heart just broke. And as much as I don't want to judge the guy, I went into a conversation with him. And the conversation then very soon turned to him shouting at the church for how the church has bowed down to the government by not meeting and by doing this and by living in fear and all this. And I had to say to him, sir, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. You know, the Bible says that we can respect our authorities. That doesn't mean we're bowing down in in fear because actually the only one we bow down to in fear is God. It means we can respect. We don't need to fear these situations. We're bigger than that. And I want to speak directly to you guys about this issue because even though we can meet in person right now, we're choosing not to at the moment. We hope and pray that that will change soon. But at the moment, we're choosing not to. And we're choosing not to because we think this is what love 
requires. Now, let me just be really truthful and really honest, and I'm going to speak right at you today. We, <laughs> we're being asked to wear masks. We're not being asked to be clothed in animal skins and thrown in amongst wild dogs like they were when Peter wrote these verses. We are being asked to stop physical gatherings. We're not being asked We're not being asked to stop worshipping God or telling other people about Jesus. We're being asked to curtail our freedoms for a short period in time so that other people don't catch the disease or so that our NHS workers aren't overwhelmed. Listen, guys, that's not fear, that's love. We are being asked to do what love requires and we can do it because when you fear God you don't have to fear anyone or anything else and so Peter can say listen listen I'll give to Caesar what Caesar's because his image is on the coin but I'll worship God because his image is on my heart did you get that I'll give to Caesar because his image is on the coin but I'll worship God and I'll put God first because his image is on my heart so if I don't if I can't connect physically at the moment if that's what love requires if that's what the government say or that's what love requires that's absolutely fine because it's God's image that's on my heart it's Caesar's image that's on the coin and that's so so important when you know whose you are then you'll know who you are Guys, I want to say, I think that there will be many of you watching this whenever, wherever you're watching it. And this season will have stripped away some of your sense of identity. My hope and prayer today is that as you come, you see, Peter said, didn't he, right at the beginning, you are coming to Christ. Many of you think, well, I've already come to Christ. Yes, you have. But it's not just a, it's not a destination. You know, this is a journey. You are coming to Christ every single day is a day where we're coming to Christ and becoming more like Him. And my prayer for you today, my prayer for you today is that you understand more and more that you are a chip off the old block. You're becoming more and more like your dad. And actually, when you hit rock bottom, you discover and you find that there's rock at the bottom. You're another brick in the wall. You need each other. We need each other. If you've allowed yourself not only to be socially distanced, but socially isolated, change it. And you are a bridge builder. You're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. I honestly think it's at the heart of who we are as human beings. That ability to know our identity is so, so important. And you don't have to be shaped by your past experiences. You don't have to be shaped by the labels over your life. You don't have to be shaped by comparison to everyone. Don't let those identity thieves rob who you really are. And guys, if you've been a Christian a long time, this is important. If you've been a Christian a few days and weeks, this is crucial. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this could be life-changing. This could be life-changing. And what I want to do is I want to give you four applications today, okay? So maybe take a screenshot if you want to, but they're questions that are going to come up on this screen. The first one is literally this. Can I name the identity thief that robs me the most? Can I name the identity thief that robs me the most? And it's really important that you do that. And maybe even today, you can actually write it down or to name that thief that robs you the most. Here's the second one. Can I commit to start in every day with Jesus? Why is this important? You know, we said right at the start of lockdown, start the day with Jesus, not with the news. End the day with Jesus, not with the news. Bookend your day with a few minutes 
with Jesus, not with the news. Because if you do this, then it's Jesus who's going to get a hold of you and shape your identity, not the news, not what's going on. I'm not asking you to be ignorant or uninformed. That's really important. But we start every day with Jesus. And can I just encourage you? Maybe you've not used the version app that's on your phone. Okay, if you've not got it on your phone, get it on your phone. And if you go on the version app and you just type in different, then Craig Rochelle's uh, um, uh, Bible study plan, different five days will come up and it tracks through what we're talking on over these next few days. Here's the third uh, question for you. Can I take a step towards finding out who God says I am? That's for those of you out there and you're not yet followers of Jesus or maybe you're not sure about this whole faith thing. Can I take a step towards finding out who God says I am? Let God define me. Let my sense of identity come from Him. And the, and the, way, the way that we would encourage you to do that, uh, Andy's already talked to you earlier on in our time together, is join our Alpha course. People started it on Monday. It's only week two this Monday, the 18th. But you know, hey, week two, week three, you can join the next couple of weeks. It's on Zoom, so it's virtual. So you can just be on the screen and be in the background there. It's so important. You can do it in two ways. You can take your phone out, doing that a lot at the moment, and you can literally type LCC Alpha and your name to 60777. So for me, I'd go LCC Alpha, Leon Evans, and I'd then just go 60777, press send, and then someone will respond to you. Or you can follow the link in the chat, in the video description that's coming up now, and you can join many other people as they take a step towards finding out who God says you are. And then the final thing is this. Can I surrender my fear to the rock, even if I've hit rock bottom? And guys, I want to talk right into you at the moment. Guys, if you have hit rock bottom, we want to pray for you. In fact, the chat's going to come in again now. Opportunity for you to receive prayer is coming again. But I want to pray for you as well. And then we're going to sing a final song together. And my prayer for you is that as you feel you've hit rock bottom, that you'll discover that you'll find that there is rock at the bottom. Because Jesus said to Peter, hey, I'm the rock. Hey, I'm going to make you a rock, but I'm going to build you on this rock. So actually, and then he goes on to say, and I'm going to build not only you, Peter, but I'm going to build this, this temple I'm going to build, which isn't a building. It's like, a, it's like, a, it's not like the Sparta that doesn't have walls. It's like this, this incredible community of people on a mission. And the gates of hell will come against it, but they won't stand, but, but it'll stand because you're built on the rock. And so I want to pray that you will know whether you're facing redundancy, whether you're going through or facing a divorce or a relational situation, whether you are sick right now, whether someone that you love is sick right now, whether you're a health and social care worker and you're drowning and you feel overwhelmed and you feel right against it and you feel, I don't know whether I can go on. I've hit rock bottom. May you know and may you find that at the bottom there is rock and His name is Jesus. I wanna pray for you right now. Jesus, I wanna pray for every single person watching this, whenever or wherever they're watching it, whoever they are, whether they know you, whether they don't know you, whether they've known you for many years, whether they're not even sure you exist. Lord, may they know that not only do you exist, but you are calling them to you and you're inviting them to build their life again on the rock, the rock that is Jesus. May they know your presence, your help and your strength in Jesus' Name. Amen. Guys, as we finish our time together, we're going to go and we're going to sing an incredible song. Many of you know it. We haven't sung it for quite a while, actually. 
This, lot, this song talks about this whole word slavery. He says, hey, I'm no longer a slave to fear. You know, I fear God, but that's not that kind of fear. Because I fear God, I don't need to fear anything or anybody else. I can give to Caesar because the image is on the coin, but I'm going to worship God because His image is on my heart. I am a child of God. And as we sing this incredible song, guys, thank Him for who you are because of who He is. And let's worship Him. No longer slaves. Bless you.